Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm Melissa Jezior, your host. On this podcast, I talk to top culture makers in the world today to unpack the visible and not so visible forces that make up this often overlooked superpower of organizations. Season two of Cultured is focused on change makers from the restaurant industry. With me today is Rebecca Reed with the Black Sheep Restaurant Group, where she oversees the pastry programs at Black Sheep, Orsay, and Bellwether Restaurants in Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. My family loves to bake. Talking about 2020, we, this has been the year of the bake in the Jezier house. So I'm tempted to ask you all about your tips and tricks, but I'm going to refrain and try my best to stick to the topic at hand, restaurant culture. I love it. Although I really do love to teach people how to bake. And it's kind of amazing what 2020 has been like with people being stuck in their homes. There's all this opportunity for virtual learning and I'm all about it. I love it. So look me up later and I will show you. (laughs) Wonderful. So in reading your background, I found it fascinating that you made a quick and dramatic shift to earn a degree in sociology in North Carolina and then moving to New York to study food. So tell me the story behind that. I feel like hindsight is always 2020. And when I look back, it's maybe easier to explain than you know how I was feeling in the moments. But I had graduated from high school and I had a scholarship to go to Wingate University in North Carolina. And I had sort of contemplated what doing a culinary degree would look like for me. And I have three sisters, they're all really smart too. And I just thought like, no, I have to use my brain. I really need to put my best foot forward. And the restaurant industry is so hard and I don't know if I would even make it in it, all of that, but I'd always like to cook. And then fast forward a little bit, graduated from Wingate University. I was applying to grad school programs. I was engaged. I took the GRE twice and I was really (laughs) starting to get into it. But I always had this reservation because I love to make people happy and I love to spread joy. And I just found for me, I would rather be with people celebrating on their best days and sharing joy through food than to kind of be on the other end of it. And it's like maybe especially funny because I wanted to be a marriage counselor and I don't know who like wakes up and thinks like, oh, what a wonderful thing to do. Like verse right now, I like spread sprinkles. I like throw sugar in the air and I, <laughs> I really get to make people happy doing what I'm doing. So I think my heart has stayed the same, but you know, the capacity to which I you know, execute everything is worlds apart. So you've been up and down the East Coast working at different restaurants. Is there anything that struck you about the different regional cultures that permeate into the business and restaurant culture and work environment? That is a big question. And I love it because it really makes me think about hospitality. And that is so much of what we're doing. And a lot of it is providing the experience for your guest. So maybe up north, providing the best experience is a faster paced, more matter of a fact, you know, dining experience versus in the south, maybe people really want to know your name and they want to know the host and they want the host to slowly walk them to their table and point out the blooming tree outside, whatever it might be. And even the food, you know, the food that you eat and the way that you eat it, yeah, maybe you need a quick bite because you're on the run. Maybe you want the latest trend and this interesting new innovative cuisine, 
Or, you know, maybe you're in the South and you want something to remind you of home and you have time to sit there and really enjoy the experience and the environment. So it's kind of interesting to think about like the North and the South and the things in between that kind of play into hospitality. That's such a good point. It's funny you say that when I, my sister lived in Wisconsin for a while and I remember, I'm from the Northeast and I remember visiting her in the supermarket checkout line and the supermarket checkout lady was looking at all my items and, oh, are you guys having a party this weekend? And I remember I was so taken aback that someone would actually engage in conversation at the supermarket with me. And I never thought, you're right, that same type of environment would translate into restaurants. Yes. And like people's expectation for the connection that they have with the people is very different. And what good service looks like, is it fast paced or is it slow and very deep? It's just different. So let's talk about the back of the house for a second in that same regard. Have you noticed regional differences in terms of in the in the kitchen and in the back of the house as it relates to restaurant culture? It's always different. Every restaurant has its own culture and oftentimes it reflects the place that you are. When I worked in New York City, I was working with a bunch of very different people. There was a lot of diversity because it was New York City and there was a lot of diversity and that was easily reflected there. And then you go to different places like I'd worked in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and, you know, the demographic is not all that different. You know, it's kind of the same. And it's interesting because you just sort of see these different like kitchen enclaves of whatever is there. And it's definitely different from place to place and even reflected in the age of the people working there. Um, in New York, it was a lot of younger people that were trying really hard to make a name for themselves and work their way up. And then you kind of trickle down and you see other people that are older and still doing what they love on the line in the restaurants. And it's not this like churn that you go through you know, in some of the bigger cities and stuff like that. I know that you work for three different restaurants. And so how, how alike or dissimilar are each of those restaurants? Not so much their menus, but their cultures. I guess obviously the menus are different and there is kind of this like common thread of Southern influence because we are in Jacksonville, Florida. And that is there with the hospitality and things like that. But the thing that really sets each of them apart is that there's a different executive chef for each. So each chef really brings their personality and their leadership style to the restaurant. And that's absolutely reflected in the culture of each place. And they are, it's kind of like different facets of the same thing. Because we are the same restaurant group and there are a lot of similarities, but even just things like the type of music that people listen to in the different kitchens can be so different. And it is pretty funny to hear like ragey, angry music, punk rock, whatever in one. And then you go to another and there might be like Canon in D and Mozart playing and your head kind of spins a little bit. But at the same time, it's interesting to prep food in the different like ambiance of you know the music whatever is happening all around you so you said there was a single thread in, in the beginning can you tell me a little bit more about that our owner john and is probably the kind of common thread through everything and sort of his vision for 
hospitality and having this Southern influence on all of his food. And something that kind of struck me definitely from the beginning is that he calls the restaurant group Black Sheep Restaurant Group. I think what he's really trying to say with this whole like Black Sheep Restaurant Group is that he wants to have a different place where people can fit in to go in kind of a different direction at times. And American cuisine, new American cuisine, can be really different than your French food or, you know, what we kind of have grown up feeling like, okay, this is the way you make this sauce, it's these ingredients, this proportion, whatever it is. And then here we are in America and we kind of get to be like the black sheep and do whatever we want and push the limits and be innovative and you know do these different things. So I think that's that's kind of a common thread between the three different restaurants trying to push something forward and have this like new American identity that kind of encompasses all of that. How do you think you're able to maintain that that black sheep common thread, but also have the individual personalities of the executive chefs shine through. How do you maintain that balance? How is that established? That has to be tricky. And I am amazed always at how willing he is and the management is in a lot of ways to trust people to be the best version of themselves because you really do get the best of your leaders when they can fully express themselves through, you know, the things that they're doing on the menu and the way that they lead people and all of that. So I think a lot of that like goes to picking the right person for the position. And there's a lot of people in the restaurant group that have worked themselves up to management positions. So it's a lot of training along the way, I think, to kind of get them to be primed and ready for that role when it's available. Being a woman in the food industry has its challenges and even more complicated when you're a mother. So tell me about how you see the industry as a woman, mother and wife, and what changes need to happen so the industry is more inclusive, both for women and for others like people of color? That's another big question, but I love it. It is very different to be a married woman, you know, just a wife, to now being a mother. My world has really changed, and the way I bring myself to my work has definitely changed too. I see the industry differently because in the past, I was able to work all of the hours and be there for the weekends, the nights, all of the things. And now I just don't have that available emotionally or physically um, to do it. But I feel fortunate to work for a restaurant group that is trying really hard to let the family be important and to let people have more of a whole approach to their life that's not just focused on work. And I feel really fortunate to be in a place that they hired me when I was six months pregnant. So to see that they value working women and mothers, and I'm not the only mom there, which is also great um, to draw from the support that I have from the other working moms around there is really awesome. And I guess something that I kind of see with working women and women in this industry is that we really have a lot to bring to hospitality. And there is an amazing thing that happens when you see somebody else doing something that's hard that you maybe didn't even know was possible for you. And I know when I saw other moms 
being able to be both a mom and a chef, like both a great employee and have a satisfying home life as well and not just feel like you threw all your balls in the air and now they're all shattered on the ground. That was amazing for me to see. And when that happened, I feel like my eyes were just open and now I try really hard to be a part of organizations that help other women to encourage each other and also to help other women see other women doing the thing that they didn't even know was possible. So like going on Chopped was meaningful for me to prove to myself that I could compete on that stage and all of that. But it was also really important for me to be able to show that I can do this as a mom. And that is so much harder, but it's also so much more impressive. And I really want to encourage other people that want to have families that it is possible to do multiple things well. It's very hard and it will take a lot of you know grace for yourself and others. But there's also a bunch of other people around that are supporting and if I have a sick kid and I need to call somebody to help me, then there's this different camaraderie that happens in the kitchen because you're all trying to support each other. And it might be a sick kid, it might be a sick family member, it might be who knows what is happening in somebody else's life. But if there's something going on and we all know that we're working together as a team, it's a whole lot easier to bridge the gaps and fill in for somebody instead of just letting them, you know, go down and hiring the next person. So I will say uh, there's an organization I'm a part of called the Women's Food Alliance. And I had joined it as a mom and I thought it would be great to be around other professional women and to be able to network and do things. But it has been incredible to see the strength of women. And I think that for women to look at each other and try to build each other up and to network and provide different opportunities or to be able to ask the question like, hey mama, like, are you doing okay? Oh my gosh, your daughter <laughs> is two now. Like, uh, how's that going? And to be able to have those conversations is really important. You don't feel like you're this little island all by yourself struggling. <laughs> Oh, and I, I agree with everything you're saying. I don't, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, there was an article in The Atlantic and it was about how women can't have it all. And I remember reading this and I was so upset about reading it because I was like, what do you think I'm trying to do here, right? Um, I feel like as a working mom, that is what we're trying to do, right? We are trying to create all this success in our life in so many different facets. And I completely agree having a network of women and working at places where women support women is part of what I think makes me successful and others like you. So I, mm -hmm. I agree. So let's talk about Chopped for a second. Congratulations on, on that. You. So during the show, you said that you're not the type of chef to curse and throw things around. And I think that is really insightful about the reputation of the food industry. So curious, do you see the culture shifting? And what's your view on what restaurant culture should be? I do see the restaurant industry shifting and definitely the culture of the kitchen and the perception of it is definitely shifting. I think there was this kind of time when Anthony Bourdain was writing these kitchen confidential books and people were peering into something and it was like wide eyed and you just saw all of these different things, a lot of it makes sense, a lot of it is very true. At the same time, to be able to execute on a really high level, you have to be really organized and meticulous. And there is alcoholism and drug use and you know, a lot of things that are in our industry. 
but that does not lead ultimately to a lot of success. So I feel like there's a lot of things that if you think that the restaurant industry is all about this big party, then I don't know if that is, you know, the thing that is going to lead to your success. I think the restaurant culture should be very inclusive to all people, if you have tattoos, if you don't have tattoos, if you are big and tall and have a beard, or if you're a small little petite thing, like if you're me, a mother, or if a you're a or mom, not. yes, exactly. And really, no matter what color you are, where you came from, your background. But I will say, I think that there has been a lot of conversation around inclusion of a lot of different people, and I am absolutely all for it. But I will just say like the restaurant industry, if you show up to work and do a great job, your coworkers are going to respect you. So you think in other words that the restaurant industry is just really good at rewarding success, right? Or rewarding hard work and and promoting within to to really kind of encourage that culture. Yes, I do think so. I really think that working hard pays off. And it's certainly not perfect all of the time, but there is a lot of opportunity in restaurants to work hard and have your talent recognized and to be able to move up no matter who you are. And I'm proud of that. And I'm proud to be a part of an industry that does allow for that because I think it's great that I get to work with a lot of different people and I get to learn so much through food. It's just like this incredible thing. You know, the way that you eat is so telling to who you are and the food that you cook and share. You just get to learn tons of things about, you know, the flavors of stuff and also the people that are making it. Let's go back to so- your degree in sociology for, for just a second. Curious if you feel like that's helped you at all in the food industry. Um, the reason, um, clearly it didn't teach you the technical skills, but with the study <laughs> of, of human and social relationships and institutions, has it helped you at all navigate the, the people side of things? Oh, absolutely. I think learning more about people and also just having this strong desire to see things outside of just like the tiny scope of what I'm looking at has been really beneficial to be able to think about the pandemic and the way it's gonna influence our industry, not even just like in this moment that we're trying to get through, but over the long haul and how it's gonna impact not only us, but other restaurants in Jacksonville and then in Florida and then you know in the whole United States and then around the world and the way people dine and their expectations. It is just the lens to which I see the world and. I really appreciate having that education in sociology, although it is kind of funny because I I don't bring up, you know, the sociology research that I did back in the day, but it is helpful to have a lens to see people through. And even some of the counseling classes that I did, you know, some of the ways that I had learned how to listen well is very important in leadership and just being a good coworker, like all the way around, you know, trying to be able to really hear what somebody is saying and give them the space to do it, trying to do that. I, you know, I'm always trying to like get better at that and to be able to have that space or to even have like the knowledge of like social awareness, I think is really important. So how do your listening skills play into your leadership in the kitchen? 
I'm just not a yeller. I'm just not. I rarely raise my voice. I guess it's just like not really in me. And I think that people around me kind of know that when I get quiet, like that's the time to really pay attention to what uh, like little questions I'm asking, um, because those are probably way more telling than yelling and stuff like that. Of course, I feel like we can't go this interview without talking about COVID because I know how impactful COVID has been on the rest and what an immense challenge it's been on the restaurant industry. And I've heard that you all have been doing so much for your employees and the community. So how much does a culture of service and family help your restaurants and staff during these crazy times? It's crucial to care about your coworkers, pandemic or no pandemic. and even to serve the community. I know pre-pandemic, we have done events with Feeding Northeast Florida and through the Taste of the NFL, I started to develop relationships and I know people that I've worked with have much deeper relationships with organizations like Feeding Northeast Florida. So then when the pandemic hit and everything was changing, restaurants are closing, we were able to shift because those relationships were already there to start this share program. And I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's been blowing my mind the way things were able to come together. SHARE is actually an acronym and it stands for Solving Hunger, Assisting Restaurant Employees. We're doing that through Feeding Northeast Florida. You'd still donate to it and um, get involved through their website. But what we're doing is since Bellwether, our restaurant downtown closed because of course nobody was working downtown and mm-hmm. it was just empty. Um, all of the employees were laid off. So their jobs went away and they still are and were capable people that wanted to work. And during the pandemic, there was all of this food that had been meant for things like the TPC golf tournament And Mm -hmm. even Disneyland had donated food because these big institutions have all of this food and suddenly no event and no people to give it to. So Feeding Northeast Florida was able to capture a lot of that food and then bring it to one of our restaurants, Bellwether, where we were now able to employ, again, through this program, the staff so that way they could break down the food and then feed the elderly in our community and the people that were shut in and really needing meals. So it was an amazing thing to kind of see people shift and to meet the needs of people if it's giving people a job or if it's giving people food. And I am really proud to have been a part of an organization that was doing those things. And none of that would have happened had we not had the relationships already in the community with the leaders. And then to be able to see those things is just really, really cool. What an amazing story of resiliency. That is, that's impressive. And it's something that blows my mind even now because it hasn't stopped. And now this is a program that we have in place that will continue. It will continue to feed our community. It helps with food waste and loss and people get to help their community through working to provide the meals donating the food and then the people get to eat it's just it's good all around and i'm i'm very very sad that it took a pandemic to um you know get everything to come together quite like it has but i am also 
very proud of the resiliency and I just always feel like full of hope that people will come together and we will meet the needs. People need to eat. People are always going to eat and we are going to find a way. I'm like that little care bear who's like, we can do this. <laughs> um, but I think that's, that's important. So final couple of questions we ask all of our guests. Uh, what is the first word that comes to mind when you think of culture? Ambiance. And I know ambiance is probably a little bit more like fleeting than culture would be. I think culture is probably a little bit like longer lasting and can withstand a little bit more change than your ambiance could without being different. But like your ambiance, like I think of culture, like when I walk into a place, how does it make me feel? Like what is the lighting? What does it smell like? Is there, you know, smiling face, whatever it is, what do I hear? You know, all of these things, it is kind of like the the ambience, the tone of the place that you're in. And that feels like culture to me. Although, you know, somebody can turn the lights off and that changes the ambience, but your culture would still be the same. See, I see your point though, right? And that is, I think there's a, there's a, the, there's the physical connection to, to how people feel. So I, I, and it's also, if you think about it, why so many businesses, outside the restaurant industry alone to spend on office decor and office layout, right? Because I think you're right. There is a, there is a connection to the your physical setting, to how you emotionally feel. And I guess I imagine that would be no more clear, as you just pointed out, than in a restaurant. Because I know myself, when I walk into a restaurant, if I, if I walk in and I love the way it feels, I'm already in a good mood. Yeah, your whole experience can just be like lifted up by those things. Mm -hmm. I love Absolutely. So um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? The thing that I actually say all the time is if I could have a superpower as I'm like standing next to the ladder, I wish that I could reach the thing on the top shelf because I'm <laughs> constantly <laughs> climbing on things to reach stuff because I'm just really short uh, and I'm like always on a ladder, always on a milk crate, whatever it is. But I, maybe to make it slightly more cool, I would love to be able to fly. It would be great if I could fly up and grab the thing instead of just being able to reach oh, it. Man, so, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Rebecca, so much for all your time and your thoughts and your insight. I really am excited for when uh, things get back to normal and I have the opportunity to visit your restaurant in person next time I'm in Florida. I can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our Cultured Podcast. If you like the show and want to learn more, check out our Cultured website, culturedcast.com. And please follow us on iTunes. If you'd like to know more about our research, visit eaglehillconsulting.com slash culture.